Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Well, I got up this morning and I followed that link you sent me and I found myself watching the first part of the Madness documentary on BT.com and I'm very glad I did. It was absolutely extraordinary. Fantastic, isn't it? It's uh, and it's. I think the the first part's called Before We Was We or something That's it. like yeah, that. It's based right? on the book that they uh, brought out. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so it's about before they became madness, you know, that they're kind of, uh, they're fairly rackety childhoods, I think it's fair to say, all in very different ways. It's absolutely, I mean, I knew some of it, but I didn't know all of it. And the interesting thing is that that out of the seven, and they interview all seven, unlike the recent uh, reunion programme, which only had, I think, four of them, they have all seven, and out of those seven, only one comes from a family where the mum and dad have stayed together and it's a kind of, you know, standard kind of stable yeah. background. The other six come from really complicated backgrounds. I mean, but Mike Parsons brought up by his mum, isn't he? And he's, he's involved in a certain amount of, of petty crime, I think. No, Lee Thompson's more more dad, than petty. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. goes to prison at one point, but go yes. on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee Thompson's dad is a crook. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, his advice to him is he's only got one bit of advice this do it at night, do it alone. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for that. He spends a lot of time in prison. And so, and I think Thompson goes to some kind of borstal at one point. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, yeah. or whatever. So that's two of them. Uh, Chrissy Boy Foreman's just brought up by his parents, split up and he's brought up by his dad. Unusual, actually. Suggs' dad was a heroin addict. I didn't know any of that. A heroin addict. He, he left, left when he was about two. Day. He was two. He never knew. Yeah, it and there's this amazing his mum was a jazz singer. He says that aged about, I'm guessing probably about eight or nine. He used to go down from Islington, down into Soho, and go and knock on the doors of the jazz clubs where his mum was working as a singer to try and get 10 his pence mom- for his dinner. <laughs> I mean, my God. And then social services were called in, and he was eventually sent away to stay with an aunt, wasn't he, in Wales? I mean, so yeah. that's an extraordinary story. Woody's dad... Um, Woody's dad's a photographer. Brought, yeah, and he was brought up by his dad, actually. Because they then split up, don't yeah. they? And he clearly... Um, he clearly kind of descends from a, a fairly, I wouldn't say comfortable, but slightly polished middle-class background. Yeah. 
into a very difficult school, isn't he? You know, so that's right. So that's how they all meet, really. That they, yeah. the kind of bohemian bit, and the and the kind of yeah, that's criminal bit. Yeah, and then meet, meets up. But Chaz is down. I can't remember what he did for a living though, but he worked abroad. He was just away all the time. So he's kind of brought up by his mum. And the only one is, uh, you know, from the kind of the convention family is Bedders. Dad worked in Fleet Street, I think. And uh, yeah. But it's, it's just amazing. And then so they meet up. And they're all kind of, they're almost kind of feral, don't you think? They're kind yeah. of, they're, 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 no one's looking after them. And so they're going out really young, forming these gangs, going off and playing in, um, you know, well, in fact, the old bomb sites, aren't they? Yeah. Playing in broken cars. And then they get into nicking things. They start nicking. I don't know. It's records, and then it's uh, they start doing doing phone boxes, and they start doing um, uh, I think it's fruit machines or something, isn't it? Just nicking money, laundrette machines. That's right. And then they get, graduate to stealing from the freight trains. And there's a there's the North London line goes through, isn't it? It must have been that train. And they would get to the point where the trains are Camden going quite Town, slowly. isn't it? It's Camden, Camden Town, Town. Jump on. And then hurl off onto the side of the track anything they could find. At one point, they steal an outboard motor, don't they? And they just think, "What do we do with this?" You know, it's, it's incredible. They're stealing they records, are, stealing scooters. They are the idle hands for which the devil makes uh, you know, makes work. Undoubtedly, yeah. it's it's just an extraordinary story of of the kind of childhood you could still have in in london and when are when are we talking about i suppose the late 60s late 60s the, the early 70s and, and that's what uh, the gang comes out they have a mutual friend out there and they kind of think well look we're all hanging around together nicking things and, and doing doing bad stuff but we're all interested in ska music we're all interested in music generally and why don't we try and form a band? And that's how it all happens, isn't it? It's a new kind of gang. It's the same people, but just doing something different. Well, it's really good. And uh, I, we do recommend it, don't we? It's, yeah, and also it. the stuff about the music is really interesting, the stuff that influences them. You know, Peter Gabriel, they saw him in a concert on, on a wire, which inspires Tomo in the video, doesn't it? He really flies around with it, playing his sax. Alex Harvey, major part of it, and, and, and Ian Dury. It's terrific. But also, they were kind of unknown probably in 77 weren't they and yeah. then and then by 1981 they'd issued a feature film an actual yeah. feature film about their story called yeah. take it or leave it which yeah. i saw at the time haven't seen since but it just gives you the idea of just how fast their ascent was in that period you know they were the, they were the nation's sweethearts weren't they, they? Were. and they they become really cuddly Really yeah. quickly, yeah. These, and none of this, none of this, you knew about, did you? Really? Well, you kind of, you got the impression you something might have been bit. going on, but none of the details. I tell you, the interesting, the really interesting thing for me was that Chas Smash, his dad, worked in the oil business and was stationed all over the world in wherever there was oil. And so, at one point, he he's probably about eleven years old, and he goes out yeah. to Iraq That's and right. just and just lives in the kind of European club. You know, which has the swimming pools, yeah. Coca Cola, and so forth. Doesn't go to school while while he's there. You know, just lives as the privileged son of uh, of kind of uh, visiting European workers. Yeah, just all. I think the story was kind of too, too complicated for anybody to really go into at the yeah. time. You know, because it became replaced by the story of Madness, the the group. Which become a phenomenon in itself. Exactly. Anyway, just the Nutty Boys, was it? exactly. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a really good film. That's it. We've only seen the first part. There's three parts, I think. It's, it's be, go on to bt.com. Is that we'll put anyone the link. can watch it. 
It's we, we'll put the free of all there. charge. And very, it's just, you know, that's the glory of television. You just, I know. oh, it's there. Oh, you just pull it in. I know. And, um, uh, you know, uh, contrast that with kind of scheduled television, although even that's slightly different nowadays. Pursuit of Love, which started on um, its classic Sunday evening telly, isn't it, really? Oh, kind of, uh, period and, drama. Uh, Period drama. Period drama. We love a period drama. My we theory don't... is that people sit around looking at period dramas and it's a combination of mockery and envy. Oh, mainly you, envy. Envy. You've envy the lives these people live and the, and the fabulous piles that they inhabit. It's, they have. But you, can, you get a lot of fun out of thinking what, what tremendous tosses a lot of them are. You see, but here's my question. Here's my question to you. I don't think they're, they're the same boat. Same proportion of tossers to everything, everything yeah, yeah. else you find anywhere in the population, I'm sure. But would you really want, Mark Allen, a stately home? I'm going to give you a stately Ooh, home. Ooh, Dave, the upkeep. There, yeah. are, there are stately homes all over the UK. I'm sure I could work one out for you. It could be yours. It probably won't be in Chiswick. It'll be in, it won't be in Northamptonshire or, you know, anywhere quite near London. It's going to be quite a long way away. But it's a stately home. Mark, it's, have, it's yours it's for have nothing. It's a leaking roof. It's going to have it's pigeons. Yours for, do you want it? No, the answer is no, you don't. How Absolutely. can you? How can you? There's no, there's no room in a stately home that you ever see in one of these things that feels remotely. I'm going to use the word cosy. Absolutely. You can't imagine sitting down on a Sunday evening like you are actually in your own home watching that. Watching program. your film of a stately yeah, home. You just can't imagine anybody kind of, you know, with a crackling log fire and a, a, a bit of supper on a tray. Because they're know, perishing cold, stately homes, because nobody can afford to, to eat them. Look anyway, no, but on telly on Sunday night when styled, they all they all look like Babington House, you they know, do. the kind of the rural outpost of the Soho house. Yeah. With with beautiful young things lying around in freestanding baths, that's right. Uh, you know, while petals are being kind of drizzled on them. Um, and it's the and, idea that sort of the kind of torpor of people who've got absolutely fuck all to do all day, <laughs> lying around. They sit around the two girls, don't they, in, in, in the linen room, just talking about sex. Yeah. You know, <laughs> talking but about I, how to get sexually aroused by the thought of Lady Jane Grey. You know, it's. <laughs> But I did. I, I have to say, it's done by Emily Mortimer, um, uh, who's adapted it and directed it. And I thought she did a really good job. She's I fantastic. Was, I thought it was really. She's good. fantastic. She's and fantastic. The key thing. The key thing is. It's interesting. I was thinking about other films that uh, where the soundtrack was so crucial. Oh. I remember Scott Joplin and the Sting. Do you remember that? The the moment, the tiny dancer moment in Almost Famous. Uh, the Sound of Silence and The Graduate, Walking on Sunshine and High Fidelity, there's millions of them, The Reservoir Dogs, whatever that was, Stuck in the Middle with You. There are moments when the music is the key thing you remember. And the thing that's got the rave reviews, the nation seems to be divided about whether or not this thing's any good. But what they're all agreed on is the soundtrack is incredible. And it, it is, isn't it? Somebody said in the paper, the, the Guardian, I think, he said, Emily Mortimer is allergic to uncool music. <laughs> but, I mean, her taste is... Well, it's, I, 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 it's an interesting point because... It starts. It starts with a shot of, uh, of of the lead actress lying there sunbathing in the nude, yeah, on a on a rooftop in pregnant. Chelsea, yeah, pregnant, and uh, and you hear this piece of music, this kind of acoustic piece of music. I thought, I know that voice. What is that? That voice is really familiar to me, but it it's not David Bowie. It's not Nick Drake. But it's clearly something kind of from the seventies. 
And it's only after a while I realized it's Pete Townsend singing Blue, Red and Grey from The Who by Numbers. The Who by Numbers, which is a really unusual choice, isn't it? Because if you get really the Who, you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have Roger Daltrey, you know. It's really unusual choice. And all the way through this, so you get the mix of, um, you know, you get the mix of, of classical music. You get the Thunder and Lightning Polka by the Strauss, you know, the Barbara yeah. of Seville. But then, then you get Dandy in the Underworld by T-Rex. That's Ceremony, a great scene. Ceremony by New Order. Benny Carter Jazz. One, you get a tiny snatch of Give My Love to London by Marianne Faithful, yeah. which I'd never heard before. Yeah. But I immediately heard it. Oh, oh that's Marianne Faithful. Surely it is. It's got the meters, Sissy Strutt. That's it. Brian the in Ferry. Crowd, not the in fade crowd. away. The only there's, a, there's an American group, Slater Kenny, Kenny yeah. were in there, which is a yeah. really unusual choice. But the only possible explanation for this, you see, I don't know, you know, she's allergic to uncool music. You make music cool by putting it in films. Yeah. You just do. Yeah. It just has that magical effect. Well, Stuck in the Middle with You never had any resonance at all for anybody. Until that. Until that. Now it's inseparable. And because there's, it's one of the few occasions in life nowadays where you really concentrate on music. Yeah. Is, I mean, classically, when you're in a cinema in a darkened room and it's on a huge, great screen and, you know, and everybody's yeah. looking and nobody's talking, you know, you are listening to that thing. And, and here, here you're doing the same thing. I thought it was really good. It's fantastic. And it's a really clever idea, I think, because everyone's saying, you know, the, you know, your period drama, can you make it feel contemporary? A lot of people don't want it contemporary. They want it to be like Bride said. They want the music of the time and all that. People kind of loafing about in kind of pastel-coloured, you know, cardigans. But, I mean, I, I thought that was really magical, that you saw people in their 1930s costumes it, with all those period, period, period props and then you heard, as you say, Joan Armour trading on the meters or, um, yeah. you know, or, or T-Rex, you know, uh, uh, and that was just a fantastic kind of collision that really made you uh, take notice of it. It's, it's interesting. I was I was reading a thing the other day about they've got a problem with uh, in, in the States at the moment with um, music on, on TV programs where, um, you know, it was kind of a arranged to you, know, you you contracted certain music to be able to use it on your tv show yeah and and what nobody envisaged was the longer life that things have thanks to streaming so you know you thought it was that you only needed a five or ten year window in clearing the track now you find these things are still being watched 15 20 25 years later and the music is not cleared because it was only cleared for a short period of time. So in some cases, you may be watching things where there's suddenly a silence on the soundtrack. And the reason is they've had to take had to off the it. music because they didn't clear it for anything oh, like as long as that. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it must be difficult with, the, with things like this where you, you've got so many bits of music because lots of it's only in there for a very short period of time, but it just kind of makes its point. And so much of the budget must have been invested in that, don't you think? It well, incredible. it can't. Or would you get? You probably get Blossom Deary quite cheap, wouldn't you? I'm sure. All I can remember was the, with sure um, with Train Spotting. That I mean, I can't remember. It was something like seventy percent of the music budget was on one track, wasn't it? On Lost for Life. It was Lost for Life. And for you know, God, they got their money's worth. Uh, that opening an, sequence, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Pursuit of Love. It's uh, well, it, it's on, or you can stream it. Who needs to wait for anything to be on anymore? Of which, more later. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. 
So, as we were saying, uh, did you not watch the Brits this week? I I watched a bit of it just <laughs> out of out of curiosity because my feeling is that why did you, did you why, watch it live? Did you watch it live? I did. I watched a little bit live. I was wow. thinking, why why would anybody want to watch the Brits anymore? I well, really two point nine million people did, which. They were well, clearly is terrible when you consider well, it used <laughs> to be what nine, it used to be. Is it nine or ten? It, yeah. It was so, yeah, something like that. But I thought to myself, what kind of goons? 2.9 million of them actually sat down and made an appointment uh, and watched the Brits. Well, clearly you were one of them, Mark. Well, very little of it. I was oh, just, right. having, just mild curiosity. Because I, mean, I can't help but feel with all these things. Well, lots of things, actually. But one is that is why, why waste two and a half hours or whatever it is of your life that you're never going to get back again? when you can let someone else do the work for you, which is you wake up the next morning and anything interesting, remotely interesting that's happened will be on a, a little YouTube link and you can watch do you, it. Do you know why? Because here's the truth. Because nowadays you never miss anything because the internet is watching it for you. Yeah. The internet watches absolutely everything in the world, sorts out the three yeah. things that are memorable and makes sure they're pushed towards you. You never yeah. miss anything. Anyway. From your brief viewing of it, were there any highlights? I would say none at all. <laughs> a great sea shanty moment. Uh, I, I, I can't write. I don't think there were. They genuinely would. But then when you look back on it over the years, it's the things that went wrong. You don't remember any speeches. You, don't, you remember the old musical moment, don't you? Yeah. But you don't remember. You remember Sam Fox and Mick Fleetwood. You remember <laughs> KLF and the Sheep. You remember um, Jarvis Cocker and... <laughs> and his, his <laughs> At his bottom. I mean, that, those are the only things you really remember. I, 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 that's, and that's what you're waiting for. You're not waiting particularly for a performance. And, and also, the, the range was so narrow. They were all basically pop stars. I mean, none of those kind of, there's, no, there's no kind of rock and roll element to it at all. No, I, I didn't rate it. Yeah, but don't you think it's, all, it's, it's part, of a, part of a wider thing, which is whether the awards show in the, yeah. in the, in the days of, you know, of, of media as we have it nowadays, yeah. because... All this stuff. It didn't used to be like this, you know, because these, I mean, the Brits, I think I probably went to the first one. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even televised at first, you know. And if you go back in the history of the Oscars, that certainly wasn't televised, you know, at first. It just, over a period of time, they grew more and more to, um, you know, to fulfill the requirements of broadcast television. Yeah. Because what they wanted was, a shop window for their products. Here are our new films. Here are our records of the year, whatever it is. And we will do whatever is required to get the television interested and to provide television with what it wants. And what television wants is a succession of beautifully dressed, really famous people. So it, what happens is that you get, you know, more and more awards are created in order to get those particular beautifully dressed, very famous people to be there, you know, and and you developed all this for television. And suddenly in the year 2021, you think, television? What's that all about? <laughs> Why would you go to all that trouble for television, for God's sake? You know, because I was thinking, you know, if you wanted to, to draw something to the attention of 15-year-olds in Britain, if you wanted to hide it from them, actually, the best place to put it is it's on, on television. television. Because they, they literally it. never watch it. Never. They don't have a television. Not in a million years. <laughs> never in a million years. And so, 
you know, it's it's completely sort of barking up the wrong tree. And so the the Oscars, a bit similar, which took place a few weeks ago. You know, uh, the, the numbers have gone down over the years just steadily. They've got a halved, you know, the viewing figures. And I think it was... Well, nine, it dropped 58% of what it was last year. I mean, last year oh, was very really good, and it was, uh, I think it was COVID and all that. It was 58% of that, which is so few. What was the figure in America? Can it was 9.8 million. That's nothing. Well, I, I thought the same thing. That's nothing. Which is... 9.8 million people must be asleep in front of their television yeah. if they haven't bothered to kind of switch over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's a brilliant it, image. That's really funny. I mean, they, yeah. they, 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 are, they are the people who, uh, well, they're clearly not the people. You know, there are certain people who, who have the telly on all the time, don't they? Yeah. And they watch whatever happens to be on. Yeah between 8 and 11 every night, and they probably watch on the main channels. Yeah. Those are not the people that the Oscars want to reach. Those are not the people that the Brits want to reach at all. They want to reach people who are active. They want to reach people who are buyers, people who go out, you know, go to see films, buy records or stream records or whatever. They're active people. They're not people just watching it because it happens to come on after the Coronation Street. Which is kind of what you're stuck with in, in broadcast television. But also, and, do you think those kind of people? Do you think they care about being particularly up to speed with what's going on? Because I don't think that matters anymore. I don't no. feel that remotely. You know, I, I I can't wait to watch Nomad Land because I love Frances McDormand. I love I love watching everything she's in, and and I'm going to see it at some stage. I'm not in a tearing rush. It's not going to go away. It's not you have to see this film all at the same time and all have an opinion about it. You and I have had this conversation a million times about things like Breaking Bad. It took me 10 years to see Breaking Bad. You still haven't seen it, but you will yeah, do one day. I will and it's do good. You'll love it. You know, it just doesn't matter. So, so I think no the whole point of the topicality of stuff is... Well, is it, it relates to what we were talking about last week. I said that, you know, one of the things that is, that is always overrated is the new album. Yeah. And it is, because the thing that's overrated is newness. Yeah. It's the idea that whatever is new is more exciting than what was there before. No, it's yeah. not. You know, we've now got so much stuff. Yeah, there's absolutely tons of stuff that we've never we've never used. You know, we we we've never accessed because the you know the the valuable thing in the whole equation is not the stuff; it's our attention. Yeah, that's the thing that matters. It's not the fact that they've come along with something new. It's whether we can be bothered you know, to access to that rather than this, that, or the other. And I've got a problem with the things like the Oscars that I'm not sure if they represent the broad, a broad enough uh, landscape of movies, you know. I mean, only seven comedies have ever won the Best Picture Award. Well, seven. yeah, that's that's kind of the nature of voting, isn't it, really? It's kind of another thing that's always overrated. Actually, I'm going to add this to my list of overrated Go things. On. Serious drama is always overrated because seriousness is the thing that people like to see, like to like to associate themselves completely, with. And, and 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 felicity and uh, and and comedy are by the same uh, measure underrated. Don't yeah. you think the yeah. value of it, which is the idea that comedy is somehow easy to do, and uh, you know Daniel Day Lewis is really difficult, is preposterous. It's, Daniel Day Lewis, he's very good. Has he ever made you laugh once, Mark? No, no, no. There you go. Well, go. Last of the Mohicans is not a comedy, though. Yeah, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm My sorry. Has that John Wayne made you laugh? You know, occasionally. No, I, no. You know, I don't think Daniel Day Lewis yeah. has ever made you laugh once. I challenge him to. Uh, you know, but if you think the best, that. Amadeus, The Shape of Water, Birdman, and Argo, all one best picture. I've got Argo. Isn't that amazing? And yet, you know, Groundhog Day or Bridesmaids or the producers or uh, yeah, yeah. when Harry met Sally, Big Lebowski, none of them with nail, none of those. Actually, you mentioned the producers. That's the thing I ended up watching half an hour of this week. The, what do you think? It's on Netflix. No, Still it's, good? it's not. Hang on a second. It's not the Gene Wilder, uh, you know, the, the the kind of original. Oh, right. Because the they, they made they made a stage musical of it, didn't they? Which, you know, hugely successful stage yeah. musical. And they made a film uh, based on the stage musical, which is, I think, I think on Netflix. If not, it's on Amazon Prime, and it stars two of my favourite people, Matthew Broderick, oh, yeah, yeah. in the Gene Wilder part, and the, the great Nathan Lane in the uh, in the part. Who, who played the part? Was it Zero Mostel? Zero Mostel. Max Bialystok. Bialystok okay. and Bloom. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So Bialystok is played by the great Nathan Lane who I absolutely love. Yeah. And it's on Netflix. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it was really good. It's a, it's a recent production, but oh, it's right. really good. God, that but, rare thing, a remake that's any good. Oh, yeah, there you go. Amazing. So you've got a story about Bob Dylan. Oh, well, I, I just particularly like this. It's, and I think it's worth anybody investigating if you're remotely interested in Dylan. It's a piece uh, that's come out, it's been posted by Harper's Magazine. Uh, it's by uh, a journalist, 30-year-old journalist and novelist called Sam Sussman. And the story, very briefly, is this. All this guy's life, people have said to him, you are the spitting image of Bob Dylan. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, the facial features, the eyes, the hair, the nose, eventually the height, everything about him looked just like Bob Dylan. And um, when he's in his late teens, his mum says to him, oh, by the way, I, I, I should have told this before, really. I, I knew Bob Dylan. 
But this was back in 1974, okay, 16 years before he was born. I knew Bob Dylan. I was in Bob Dylan class. knew my mother. Dylan, Bob Dylan knew my mother, yeah. <laughs> mother and he's in this, she's Dylan. in this art class. It's really fascinating. This is 1974, so this is around the time Dylan's making uh, whatever it would be, Blood on the Tracks. And Dylan uh, enrolls in the art class with a very famous uh, Jewish artist called oh, Robert right, yes, yes. And... Um, he kind of, you know, gets kind of pally with her and uh, eventually says, look, I'd like to have a, a, a party, host a little party for the people because I've enjoyed being on this course so much. Would you think you, I, I don't know where I could do it myself, which is ridiculous, Dylan clearly hire any venue you wanted to, would you mind having it in your apartment? So she has the, the party in the apartment, two o'clock in the morning, uh, everybody leaves, and Dylan's about to leave, she thinks he's leaving, but no, he turns around and he clicks the door shut with his red cowboy boots, <laughs> and uh, he pretty much says, tonight I'll be staying here with you. <laughs> and she says at this point, a year of what we used to call dating begins. So she has this love affair with Dylan, okay, this is 1974, and it's amazing, and she turns up as a verse of uh, Tangled Up in Blue about him uh, reading uh, 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 Tony oh, from the 13th from century, century yeah. and that's that's the, a bit about her. But anyway, so he says, okay, well that's really interesting, and what a weird thing, you know, that I kind of looked like Dylan, that you knew him, and anyway, that was a long time ago. She then, at the end of her life, in fact, she's terminally ill, a, a poor old thing, and she, she's, she, she, she tells him that she had a reunion with Bob Dylan in 1990, which is, interesting pop fact, do the math, that Dave, is nine months before he was born. So, so he can't quite ask her straight whether or not Bob Dylan is his father because she can't, she won't answer this. She's obviously conflicted by the fact that A, she's embarrassed that she doesn't know it, B, it could have been Bob Dylan, it could have been uh, his dad. But uh, so uh, he now has no idea but assumes and is absolutely really 99% sure that Dylan is his dad. And that just makes for a very, very interesting piece, the repercussions of this are fantastic you know does his does he therefore have a kind of god-given creative talent as a novelist because he's a blood relative of dylan's you know he's he's kind of obsessed by all this you know and also the fact that so many of these people could be his 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 relatives you know that dylan has between nine and ten children is the, is the yeah. basic estimate yeah he's got four with sarah he had a girl, a girl called desiree with carolyn yeah. dennis and yeah. he, i think he's got a daughter supposedly called narette Clyde e. King. So he's thinking he's got all these um, people who could be his relatives. But of course, he, there's no way of finding out. The only way you can find out is to get kind of DNA confirmation. And the only way that would happen is if Bob Dylan agreed to do it. What are the chances of that? No, Not very high. No. But it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic story. I really recommend we'll post it actually. It, it's, it's very odd, isn't it? Because if you found out you're Bob Dylan's child, you might want to keep it to yourself, really. Because the problem is, you spend your rest of your life being a footnote in somebody else's life. Don't yeah. You? <laughs> and, well, that's uh, true because that's all anyone would ever say about you. And do you know, it, old, it, uh, do you know old he, Sam? If he's, written a novel, if he's written a novel, as he has, you know, probably more than yeah. one. And uh, and you got a literary agent, and literary agent you know, gets a million submissions for no novels every yeah. day and doesn't take any notice of any of them. But if you say, oh, by the way, I'm Bob Dylan's son. Oh, suddenly. The phone is melting. Suddenly, you're going to have a million dollar event. I know. Not a problem at all. I know. And, and, then, and so you'll then get a huge amount of people looking at your book and, and probably 80, 88% of them being massively disappointed that it doesn't uh, you know, read like the lyrics of Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. Or yeah, so you're yeah. not going to win, you know. Well, you ought to take this opportunity now to just make clear that Mark Allen is not Paul McCartney's son. <laughs> and you're yeah. in no way related to Robert Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> this is a junction in the word podcast it separates that bit 
from this next bit. So we're, we're joined by Alex Gold. Alex, Alex, you're wearing your usual quota of ladies' clothing. Is that right? What are you wearing? Well, okay. So at the moment, I'm in my parents' house in, in deepest Warwickshire. And um, downstairs is the room I grew up in. And over the years, I haven't had much time up here. So I've taken, you know, this time um, to, to sort out a load of stuff in my old room. There's loads of clothes that have been just piled up um, in a cupboard for years and years and years and years and years that I'm gradually going through. Um, and I've been sorting a bit, few bits out today and I've discovered a load of uh, mainly tops that I've... I've in- tops. Tops. I love it. Tops. It's a girl's word. It's a girl's word. And those two largely did belong to girls, right? Well, yeah, I've I've inherited them off various young ladies um, over the years, and did you swap clothing with them? Did you say, "I tell you what, wear them"? Yeah. So this this garment I found out. I've just I just put this on to see if I could still get away with wearing it. I've got no idea who it came from. Um, but I can tell you now that it's 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 a black um, how would I describe it? it's a black sort of cardigan without any buttons. Um, and if you can see here, obviously if you listen to the audio pod, you won't be able to nice see. Nice detail. But it's it's see through. You see, Alex, has it got a label inside it? Uh, it's next. There you go. <laughs> okay. Is there, I mean, you must have things from Dorothy Perkins, do you? Oh. Or, uh, yeah, you you've got to have. <laughs> Yeah, you do have a, a load of players, accessories. From new look. It's new an look. There you go. Pink rock and roll t-shirt. Oh my god, that's amazing. I'm keeping this. Um the jeans at the moment, actually. The, the skinny jeans. Yeah. These are an old girlfriend's. Yeah. Um, you see, I've I've taken the Mickey out of Mark Kellen in the past for buying clothes that Zara, which I always oh, think of as a women's uh, outfitters, but uh men's department as well, isn't the Mark? No, I think I, I only no. It's tall people. All right. <laughs> I okay. think yeah, that's my excuse. Be no interest to in me at all. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, hit, I've hit a turning point because I'm, I'm going through these clothes and, and wondering if I've reached the point where I can no longer get reasonably get away with wearing these anymore. And I think I might have. And that no, worried me. No, don't worry, Alex. You got you got a while to go before you look uh, before you look we look wrong in a pink new look. Top. <laughs> <laughs> Top. I've always thought the word top um, it ought to have the word uh, to have the letter S in it. Yes, it ought top. to be T S O P. T S O P. Top. 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 Uh, while we're talking about ladies' clothing, um, here's a here's a, an experiment you can try in real life, Alex. Okay. Uh, you, you got your, your mother there. You got your your sister there. You know, the, uh, when you see the letter today. Get them to describe an item of clothing that they've worn, possibly for a wedding or something like that. And I guarantee you, Alex, they will not just tell you about it. They will draw it on themselves. Oh, interesting. They will go, and it kind of went out there, and then it kind of went down there. (laughs) That's a completely female trait in my experience. It's always I always I was always always observe my wife and daughters and granddaughters or whatever. When anybody's talking about about clothing, there will always be a certain amount. It's just from it. spending more time. And I don't mean this unkind, but it's from spending more time in front of mirrors. 
possibly because I don't think blokes spend vast amounts of time just say I'll, I'll, I'll put that shirt on bung it on it'll be but fine. I think it's, I think it's also male clothing tends to be a standard shape doesn't it so a jacket yeah. is a jacket and a pair of trousers is a pair of trousers yeah. whereas women's clothing will be more varied I suppose I would suggest that is a trait exhibited by both females and effects indie boys oh there you go oh okay okay, okay. So uh, the next section of the pod, um, before we get to any other business, I just want to talk about it. I, I call it never mind the quality, feel the length. Because <laughs> normally I've uh, normally we're quite militant on this podcast about the fact that everything is too long, aren't we? Really? Yeah, we are. The TV programs go on too long. Yeah, books are too long. Everything needs editing. But but there are exceptions. Right? Which is pretty rich coming from two guys who kind of <laughs> pontificate for hours every Sunday morning and <laughs> never bother yeah. to snip anything out. <laughs> That's true. That's oh, true. No. Anyway, carry on. And there's three things, <laughs> three things that have, uh, I've enjoyed recently. Um, one is I watched for the second time The Irishman, the Scorsese film, which came out, I don't know, six months ago or whatever. And first time I watched it, I thought it was a bit too long. But then, so six months later, I watched it again. And this time I enjoyed it a lot more. It's 209 minutes long. Have you seen it, Mark? You must have I've seen it. I've seen it. And I just, I suppose it was simple because I was watching my wife and she didn't really enjoy the, the ultra violence. I, I, get, I kind of wished I'd been watching it on my own, really. No disrespect to her. But go just, back and watch it on your own and yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it because also you'll know it's 209 minutes long. So you're yeah. not going, shouldn't something be happening by now? Or, yeah. you know, shouldn't we be moving towards, the climax of the film or something. Uh, and the other thing is I am, um, I, I finished last night. I finished Vikram Seth's A Suitable Boy, which is one like 1,474 pages long. And do you know what I was just thinking now when I was waiting to start recording? I think I might read it again. Good because, because once you've read it, you kind of know what the rhythm of it is. And yeah. so you feel if you started it again, you would possibly enjoy it more. Yeah. And, you know, it's a bit like The Irishman. And the other thing I was playing yesterday is The Grateful Dead. This is a CD called Grey Folded, which is a two-CD set uh, put together by a man called John Oswald in, in, the, in yeah. the 90s. And John Oswald specializes in, in a technique called plunder phonics, yeah. where he takes old recordings and does things with them. And the Grateful Dead gave him 100 performances, live performances of their highly abstract, psychedelic, instrumental dark star. 100 performances done over a period of over 20 years and said, see what you can make of those. And so he made two versions one of which is 59 minutes, 59 seconds. <laughs> and the other one's not quite as long on the two CDs. And it is the epitome of aimless noodling. But once you know it's aimless noodling and you're completely attuned to the fact it's aimless noodling, you don't want you it to quite stop. enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? You feel that sort of time stood still, you know, that you've, You've just entered this world. And I, I played it, I played it a couple of times over the last few days and thoroughly enjoyed it. So, you know, this there is are just... certain things that have a pace to them. I saw um uh Lawrence of Arabia again recently. And Lawrence of Arabia is good. I can't remember how, how long it is, but it has an intermission. It has an intermission. It, I mean, that's how long it is. It has an, it, it has, an over, has an overture, I think, at the, yeah. the beginning of it. Anyway, yeah. carry on. Yeah. And uh I, I got a I remember thinking that's a long film, and you didn't want it to be any shorter. 
It wasn't one of those things where you look, I mean, you look at some films from the, the early 70s, particularly kind of 2001, Midnight Cowboy, all those guys, you just wish they were an hour locked down. But that, Lawrence of Arabia is fantastic. It's yeah. the pace, it's the heat, it's being out in the desert. There's that, if you made it any shorter, that whole sequence with the mirage, do you remember where it just like, films it and you see him coming out, uh, you know, from, well, from you the desert? Have, it, you it couldn't have it in the film. You it couldn't have it work, in the film. Because it's, it's a, in, in the meter of the film. Absolutely. Whereas in round it, you know, not long after he made Dr. Zhivago, which I saw again recently, which is very long and not very good, actually. So, no, know, really, it was the, disappointing. Uh, I, I thought it was really poor. Whereas uh, Lawrence of Arabia it's got is. Julie still, Christie. Let's absolutely. Be absolutely. <laughs> As a, Lawrence of Arabia is still a, a really good, uh, really good film. Um, that's, that's, the, that's, pretty, that's a pretty cliche thing to say. Lawrence of Arabia is still a really good film. Okay. <laughs> More, more piercing insights next yeah, week. Yeah. <laughs> Classic quote there from the word podcast. <laughs> Let's stick that on the posters, Dad. Let's stick that on the DVDs. <laughs> so if anybody else has got any suggestions for, you know, things that uh, never mind the quality, feel the length, uh, get in touch with us. Let us know. Um, I think we're going to be marking Bob Dylan's birthday. Is it next week? I think we're doing it's it. It's next that, week. I, yeah, it's on um, Tuesday next week, I think. So, yeah, okay. week after, yeah very soon. Okay, we'll get it, we'll get it in there. Yeah. Uh, and if people want to get in touch, how do they get in touch, Alex? Reminders. They can drop us an email at wie.london at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Uh, what else we got going on? We're doing, uh, we're doing, still doing Word in Your Attics and so forth. We did recorded one on. Uh, on uh, last week, it hasn't gone out yet. I don't think with Robin Denslow, who was the kind of really the good. veteran, the veteran oh, folk and rock war stories. And, and let me tell you, his story of his first ever interview is the best story I've ever heard of a first interview because it's all been downhill from there And the there person on. he does it with is so stellar. Uh, you just cannot believe it. It's a yeah. university newspaper. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, the whole podcast is brilliant. It's really good. Uh, what have we? What have we got coming up? We're, we're talking to Phil Manzanera in the, in, the ne- in the next few days. Uh, we got our word in your park is taking place on July the seventeenth, and we've announced that the first uh, guest going uh, joining us on that afternoon will be Gary Crowley. Uh, make sure you get your tickets. Um, how should people do that, Alex? Anything we need to tell people? So we'll be putting a link in the show notes here, uh, but you can also go to wiyelondon.com and there is a ticket a widget on the on the homepage of the website, which is really handy. Okay. Well, that's about it. Uh, I suppose Alex is just going to go off and slip into a house coat. and uh... <laughs> Get me suspenders on. Um... Get your mini skirt, your boob tube. This is excellent. Go on. <laughs> Are you going to say something? I was going to say we've got some new patrons. Oh, okay. Oh, go, on. Go, on. go on. The heels will have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alex, Alex wafting around the house in a negligee. <laughs> <laughs> go, to the, go to the door where the milkman comes. <laughs> Careful, Dave. You'll never be able to unimagine that one. <laughs> no, I can't get it out of my head, I must admit. <laughs> Really, it's got to be a regular feature, I think, on the, on the podcast. Powerful image. What Alex is wearing this week, <laughs> or indeed not wearing? Yeah, yeah. Go, Go on. on. Righty ho. We have well, welcome aboard, uh, Keith McDonald. Welcome, Keith. Matthew North. Also, Matthew. Very good, Matthew. Excellent. 
Lars Anderson. Lars Anderson. It's a fine Welsh name. Sounds like he was once on the Contiki. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and the following are annual patrons. If you oh, right. annually, okay. you get a 15% discount. No. Andy Clark. Hello, Andy. Michael Wisniewski. And Michael. Excellent. Roberts Reed. Hello, Robert. Craig Thomas. Hello, Craig. And Access All Areas tier patron, Simon Poulter. Oh, hello, hello, Simon. So, you know... Great to have uh, you all aboard. And I hope people will be joining us on Friday evenings for the uh, for the quiz, which you ha- if you haven't taken part in, it, it uh, happens at 6 o'clock on Fridays, every Friday. And uh, do join us for that. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.